Well, Jim Bertram, where are you? Thank you very much. Amen. And all God's people said? Amen. Been trying to get him to sing ever since I've been down here. It's only taken a year. Uh, so, so thank you. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Thank you. And welcome home, all you Bertrams. You brought all these Bertrams here. Maybe, maybe, yeah, welcome home. Welcome home. If the Bertrams, that many Bertrams will come every Sunday, maybe we should have him sing more often. All right, all right. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. We welcome you if you are our guest, besides the Bertrams. We welcome you and thank you for coming uh, to be here today. Welcome you in the room, and we have folks watching online, and we welcome you as well. Now, Wednesday night Bible study, I'm going to be doing a study during Awana, so bring your kids to Awana. And then come in the auditorium, and we're going to be studying the book, the book of Philippians. I am in a series entitled, A Trip to Graceland to See the King. And uh, today's message is, in Graceland, everybody can be forgiven. In Graceland, everybody can be forgiven. Let me read my text. My text of my message is based on Romans 5, verses 12 through 17. Now, I, I'm reading from the New uh, uh, Living Bible today because I believe that it says really uh, what, uh, what uh, I want to say. So if you're looking it up, it's Romans 5, 12 through, 12 through 17 from the New Living Bible translation. Now listen to this. It gets a little tricky. Uh, so, so listen to this. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. And yes, people sinned even before the law was given. But it was not counted as sin because there was not yet law to break. Still everyone died. From the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey the explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. That's Adam's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift led to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin 
and death through this one man, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning and worship you because you are our creator, God. And you are sovereign over everything that you created. And sometimes we forget that. And we confess to our shame that there are days when we presume to tell you how to run your world and how to run our lives and how you ought to act in this world. And we confess that this morning. And we repent of trying to tell you how you should run your world. So we are thankful that you are God and we are not. We are thankful that you are the Alpha and the Omega. We thank you that you're the beginning and the end and everything in between, every moment in between. And I'm so thankful that you do not give in to my whining. And I'm thankful that you do as you please, even when it displeases me. So forgive us for getting frustrated with you and your sense of timing are the times we question your goodness and your grace. We praise you this morning, Father, because you are the God of all grace. And help us to learn today that your grace is greater than our sins. Now pour through me the gift of preaching. Take these human words and use them to speak to us today. Give each of us just the message you want us to hear, because we pray to you in the name of Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen. Charles Stanley, who was the pastor of First Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, for probably 50 years, tells of a dramatic event during his college days. One of his most memorable professors gave a two-page test, and the professor told the students, read the test before you start taking it. Read the entire test before you begin to take it. And Dr. Stanley said the class started reading that test and boy you could hear groans coming up from the seats. And the questions were very tough and Dr. Stanley said I read that and I wondered how in the world am I ever going to pass this test. I should have studied longer, I should have studied harder. This is a tremendously hard test. And he said, by the time I got to the second page, I was so discouraged about this test until I read this at the bottom of the test. You have a choice. You can either complete the exam as given or sign your name at the bottom and in so doing receive an A for this assignment. I never did that to my students. He said, all I had to do was sign my name and turn it in and receive an A. You can't imagine, he said, the relief that it brought me. So the next day, Dr. Stanley goes to this professor and he says, tell me about this test. Humanly, I wanted to take the test and humanly, I thought this is too good to be true, just to sign your name and get an A. The professor said, Charles, it's funny. Down through the years when I give this test, there are three responses to it. 
Some students, instead of following my instructions to read the entire exam before you start, just start answering questions. And he said, boy, you can see them. They begin to worry. He said, I had one student have an, an anxiety attack trying to take it. And they never read the test. And then they get to the bottom and there's this, all they have to do is sign their name and turn it in and get an A. He said, they almost laugh out loud. He said, there's, there are some who start reading the test and halfway into reading it, they get mad and they come up and put it on my desk and stomp out mad because they did not finish reading it. And he said, one time I had a student who read the test realized all he had to do was sign his name and get an A, but he didn't want to do it. He decided, I want to take the test. I want to earn my grade. He took the test and got a C-, minus, <laughs> which was amazing considering how hard the test was. And he said, well, Charles and all the other class, they just had to sign their, all the other students did, they just signed their name and they collected their A. Wow. When I read that story, I thought that that is how people react to God's grace. That's exactly how they react to God's forgiveness and what Christ has done. And it's like Jim said, we have made it far more complicated than it is. The first reaction that people have to the grace of God is just like those students. They try to earn what has been freely offered to them. I know good people that try to earn their salvation. They go to church, they give their money, they support good causes, they're good moral people, they even work in the nursery, they even work with the teenagers on all-nighters. Those people ought to go to heaven and get in free that go on all-nighters with teenagers. And they make good neighbors. And all the while they are thinking, I'm earning points. I'm earning points. And if I can just earn enough points, then I will get into heaven. And then there's some who act like the second group of students. They read the text. They read the test. I can't do this. I cannot do this. And throw up their hands and walk away. I can't pass this test. And they get mad and walk away. And I, I've met people down through the years just exactly like that. They try to earn their salvation and start trying to earn their salvation and hoping that God's making a list and checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice. And they cannot do it. They're not perfect, and they sin, and they throw up their hands and say, this Christianity is, I just cannot do it, and they walk away. But then there's that third group. They try to take the test anyway. <laughs> they know that God has offered grace, but their ego, their pride... I am going to get in my way. And unlike the student who took the test and got a C minus, <laughs> he, 
You have to score 100 on God's test. <laughs> there are no B's, C's, or D's. And God does not, does not grade on the curve. If you're going to get in by keeping works, you've got to keep 100% of the law or you're not going to make it. So many just do not understand grace. And like the student, they take the test depending on their works, depending upon their ego, their pride, I can do this to get into heaven. But grace means that we do not enter heaven and we are not saved on what we have done. We are there based on what Jesus has done. Now you grew up hearing this all of your life. And what I'm going to say may be old hat to you, but maybe it will appreciate, you will appreciate, and all of us will appreciate, the grace of God. The bottom line is simple. When Adam sinned, there came separation between man and God. And that bridge back to God had to be built by the death and the resurrection of Jesus. When Adam sinned, two things happened. First of all, fellowship with God was destroyed. The fellowship that Adam and Eve had with God in the Garden of Eden was destroyed because of their sin. They sin. God comes down to them. Can you imagine? God comes down to walk with them in the cool of the evening like He had always done. Can you imagine that? Walking with God in the Garden of Eden. And God comes down that day to walk with them. Couldn't find them. They're off hiding in the bushes. And God says, or when the cool of the evening breeze was blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden. And so they hid, the, hid from the Lord God among the trees. And then the Lord God called out to the man, Where are you? Where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Now, sin causes us to want to hide from God. We do not want fellowship with God. We don't want to have a relationship with God. We don't want to have an intimate relationship with God. Sin causes us to hide from God. And then death entered the human family. For the wages of sin is death. When Adam and Eve sinned, death became a fact of the human family. And all of Bellevue has been dealing with that, the death of good friends, this last week. When Adam and Eve sinned, what we went through this week with our friends became a fact in the human family. Now, sin deserved immediate judgment, immediate death. But God graciously gave us delayed judgment. God gave us the opportunity to receive Jesus and have fellowship with Him in this lifetime. In this lifetime. Now, right now you may be here. You've never received Christ. You've never accepted the gift of salvation. And you will suffer the penalty of sin if you don't. 
Look at Hebrews 9.27. See, all the problems, all the problems that Adam and Eve caused were dealt with in the death and the resurrection of Jesus when we accept it by faith. And just as each person is destined to die once, after that comes the judgment. Whoa, we got a problem here. God demands perfection, sinlessness. Sin makes us unacceptable in the presence of God. And we are in trouble. We are in trouble. Because our sin has disqualified us in the light of God's standard. We're in trouble. In graduate school at Cincinnati Christian University, one of the most life-changing class, probably the most life-changing class I had was the Doctrine of Grace taught by Dr. Jack Cottrell. Dr. Cottrell taught us the grace that is in that beautiful old hymn, Rock of Ages. Now, Rock of Ages is not a funeral song. Down in the mountains, we sang it as a funeral song. It's not a funeral song. It is a song of salvation. It is a song of grace. And one of the stanzas says, the first stanza says, Rock of ages, clap for me. Let me hide myself in thee. And then it goes on, Let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Hmm. Save from wrath and make me pure. Be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath, that's the curse, and make me pure. That's the double cure. That we are saved from wrath and we are made pure. See, the whole purpose of grace is to counteract the double curse. Wrath because we have sinned and we need to be made pure. Our sins made us impure. And the whole purpose of grace is to save us from guilt and punishment. God gives us forgiveness of sins. Or is what the Bible calls justification. It means, folks, that God is not holding our sins against us. Woo! And He paid for that. He paid the price. You know what would happen to us? Eternal help if He had not. So the first cure is that God justifies us. Now stay with me. I know this is a little Doctrine 101 this morning. So stay, stay, stay with me. But then the double cure, the second aspect of the double cure, is that God's grace solves our problem of our spiritual sickness. God's grace restores us to spiritual wholeness, makes us acceptable to a pure God. It's called regeneration. It's called being born again. It's called a new creation in Christ Jesus. If any man is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Behold, all things have become new. And that is caused, that is caused at being born again by the renewing and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, the double cure is the forgiveness of sins and the regeneration, being born again 
becoming new creatures. I hope every time from now on when you sing, be of sin the double cure, save from wrath and make me pure, you'll remember this. I cannot ever, now, I can never sing Rock of Ages without thinking that I have been saved from the double cure. I have been regenerated, I have been justified, and then regenerated. Because you remember in the text, the bad news is that one man's sin separated us from the fellowship of God. The good news is that by this act of God, Jesus dying on the cross, His resurrection, God brings us back to Him. The good news is, by one act, His dying on the cross, by this one act is all that we needed to come back into fellowship with God if we accept it. Now, Romans 5, 18 and 19 says, yes, Adam's one sin brought condemnation upon everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness makes all people right in God's sight and gives them life. Because one person disobeyed God, that's Adam. Many people become sinners. Because one other person obeyed God, that's Jesus. Many will be made right in God's sight. Because of what Adam did, we're all condemned. You know, I've often said, if I were Adam and Eve, I would hide out in the backside of heaven for millennial on the millennial on millennial. Because every woman who's had a baby wants to talk to Eve. And every man who gets up at the crack of dawn and busts his chops to make a living, we want to talk to Adam. What in the world were you thinking? What did you do that? And if we'd have been there, we'd have done the same. We'd have done the same. We'd have done the same thing. Because Jesus was obedient to death on the cross, we can be made righteous. When our faith is put in what Jesus did on the cross. All right, now that's Grace 101. And uh, you've been listening to me, I hope. If you went away, come back to me now. Come back to me, because I want to show you just how complete God's remedy of grace is. Just how complete the remedy, the double cure of God's grace and forgiveness is through four marvelous Old Testament passages of Scripture. And these verses are so significant because most of you do not even believe them. Or the devil wants to keep you from knowing that they are in the Bible. These four Old Testament verses declare the complete remedy, the double cure. <clears throat> God's amazing grace, save from wrath and make me pure. And they are beautiful. First verse is this, Psalm 103. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Now, how far is the east from the west? Hmm? Now, Aren't you glad you, he didn't say as far as the north is from the south? We know where the north ends and where the south begins. The north ends 
at the Ohio River. Thank God. <laughs> and the South begins on the other side of the river. Thank God. But the East and the West never meet. They are infinite distance from one another. So God says, as far as the east is from the west, I have removed your sin. He is declaring, folks, the extent of his forgiveness. <clears throat> he is saying, my forgiveness is total. It's complete. It's unconditional. Believe it. Second text. Psalm 103, verse 10. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Yes, God actually said that. That is in the Bible. How can he so completely remove our sins to say that he just never sees them again? How, how, can, how can an infinite God, how can he do that? By grace. By grace. He does not deal with us according to our sin. Third text, Isaiah 38, 17. For you have cast all my sin behind your back. Now when something is behind your back, you can't see it. It's out of sight. And we can't see it anymore. God says, <laughs> he actually does that with our sin. Hmm. God no longer sees either our deliberate disobedience or our marred performance. Instead, he sees the righteousness of Jesus, which he has given to us. He no longer, no longer sees them. They're behind his back. Fourth text from Micah, the Old Testament book of Micah. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You have cast our sin into the depths of the sea. God has hurled our sins into the depths of the sea to be lost forever. Never to be recovered. Never to be held against us. Now, our sin didn't just accidentally fall overboard. God hurled our sin into the depths, and he wants them to be lost forever. And this is possible. This is possible because Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Now, are you beginning to get the picture? Are you? Are you beginning to realize that God's forgiveness is complete. It's complete. Are you beginning to understand that regardless of how bad we have been, how many times we have committed the same sin over and over, He completely forgives us when we accept Jesus Christ. I told you there were four texts. There are actually five. Here's the fifth one. Isaiah 43 25. I, yes, I alone am the one who blots out your sins from my own sake, for my own sake, 
and will never think of them again. Woo! Yes, I and I alone am the one who blots out your sins. He removes them from the record and will never think of them again. That means once we have accepted forgiveness of those sins, God will never hold them against us. Well, LD, you, you don't know, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how long you did it. It doesn't matter why you did it. Once it's given to the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance, it will never be held against you again. You say, that's too good to be true. That is grace. Hmm. In Graceland, everybody can be forgiven. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Amen. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you that it is by grace that we have been saved through faith, and not from ourselves, but it is the gift of God. We praise you, we praise you. And Father, if there are some here today that need your grace, your saving grace, I pray, Father, that this will be the day they will accept the offer of Jesus Christ. And maybe there are Christians here today who just do not have any assurance of their forgiveness. And they allow the past to destroy a warm, loving relationship with you. So, Father, use these truths today to help us see just how complete your forgiveness is. Help, him to help us to live in the security of sins forgiven and the hope of heaven. And, Father, may we embrace the fact that we have been bought with a price, the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. And may we experience the freedom and the forgiveness that only grace through Christ can offer. And we pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. That's the message of grace. I don't know what else I can say that would want you, challenge you, encourage you to accept it if you never have. That's God's grace, as simply as I can present it. And it's yours for the taking, a free gift, a free gift if you will receive it. If you would like to become a member of Bellevue Baptist, we would love to have you to come. If you need to obey him in believer's baptism, we would love to help you do that. If you would like us to pray for you, if you will linger down here in the front, we'll be glad to pray for you. I'll be down front. I pray you'll make a decision for Christ. You'll make a decision for his church uh, as we stand and sing.